This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial grade AI. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our Industrial AI podcast. My name is Robert Weber, and it's a pleasure to talk to Peter Sieber. Good morning, Robert, out of the hotel, I understand. Yeah, out of the hotel. You can hear it. I'm not in the studio, but sitting in the hotel room. I'm in Linz for two days visiting Sepp Hochreiter and our friend Franziskus Kriakopoulos from Sevenlytics. Linz in Austria. So Austria. you're visiting him at the university, I guess? or Yes, I visit uh, Sepp at the university and Franziskus at his office, yeah. So anything you can share with us that which you learned already? from them oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i have one use case it's well um so everybody's in europe's fever at seps institute in europe's a big conference most important conference and nine papers were accepted it's a huge amount for one institute and everybody is extremely exciting about the conference and they share the use case with me they are doing together with a company so i will explain it and we will also record an episode on this topic where is it taking place this time europe new orleans again i think oh okay okay good yeah tell us what it's about imagine that fiber optical cables you know them yeah it's for the fast connection here run next to the the railway tracks in many countries also in germany i think and Together with a company, Sepp and his team are able to find out if a train needs maintenance when it passes by, by means of the sound and the effect on the fiber optical cable, or they can detect approaches to the track and at an early stage. So that's very impressive. I think the, the, the small senders at the fiber optical cable and there are a lot of data and you have to do a lot of building models for that very interesting approach, very interesting use case. Yeah. So the big difference and the use case is the predictive capability, right? Because I can hear, you know, when I go to town like yesterday, Munich, Oktoberfest, you know, as an example, I walk past the train track, the fast train, we call it S-Bahn here in Munich. And wh whenever I now hear like, kadung, 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 I think, mm -hmm. oh, there's something, there's something wrong <laughs> with the train. And I sometimes I think, oh, do I need to tell somebody, right? <laughs> if, if they're waiting, you know, the, the person who's in the front of the train may Maybe I go, they say, oh, your train is hazarding. And the difference is what you explain, what you're telling, I believe, is that they can do it predictive, right? So yeah. they can do it before I can hear that something is wrong with the train. Yeah, before you can hear it, yeah. They recognize the, the problem in this very thin fiber optical cable next to the railway track. Oh, wow. That's very interesting, I think, because in, in the most countries, the fiber optical cable lies next to the railway tracks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They combine, yeah. I was very impressed by this because, yeah, it's a nice project and we will record an episode on this in October. I think it's a huge opportunity for the railway industry, but also for other industries, yeah. Where I think our government just announced like a month ago a huge whatever 
XX billion investment in, in this case, the German railway system yeah. renovation, right? So you and I, we do use the train every now and then, which means it's, we're going to have another 10 years of waiting, waiting and yeah. waiting and driving around the, uh, the renovations, I guess. But yeah. I can very well imagine, yeah, that they're going to include then, you know, potentially this kind of a new AI-based technology in making the infrastructure better. Yeah, it's absolutely a very interesting approach. They are doing it together with an Austrian company, and it's very interesting, absolutely. I'm looking forward to record the whole episode to talk about the model and the AI in the background. Talking about traveling, you were traveling last week as well. Yes, I was in Potsdam. Oh, the Potsdam. Potsdam at the Hasso Plattner Institute. Hasso Plattner, remember SAP. And uh, yeah, I went there for a conference about AutoML by Frank Hutter, our guest in at the end of October at our event, AI in the Forest, and here at a conference about AutoML, a lot of young people. Oh, I am so old, Peter. So a lot of young. Don't tell me. Yeah, it's a lot of young people from all around Europe went to Potsdam and talked and discussed AutoML. Yeah, I was really, really, really surprised and about the discussions and the topics because, in my opinion, there's the healthcare sector or the chemical sector or the, the biological... Life science, maybe they call it. A science, yeah, are using AutoML heavily. So they do a lot of stuff with AutoML. For example, finding some new medicine on COVID and stuff like that. And the industrial sector is far behind using it. There was a presentation by Bosch. They're doing something with that. There was a logistics approach, but it's coming more and more. And one important thing is to use AutoML is to have a good user interface and to explain the people why they should use this or this or this. And that's a very important thing to rise to to accept the solution you know what i mean yeah i can imagine so we're going to correct the fact that industry where you were was not heavily represented exactly in october at our event right yeah absolutely so i was not surprised because frank told me then yes when we talk about industry when we organize a conference their industry are companies like AWS, software companies, Microsoft, whatever. This is their industry because using the ideas from the universities and then building a product, an AutoML product, for example, and that's their industry. And when we talk about our industry, Peter, automation companies, machine building companies, robotics companies, so um, these are the next step after AWS build an AutoML tool, then it will be used in our machine building companies. So we are one step behind. Yeah, it's it's about the use of the word industry, right? Yeah. I mean, we are the industrial AI podcast, right? And when we talk about industry in general, there's many, many, many different uh, industries. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but just as a reminder, so we're going to have our event when? End of October? End of October. AI in the Forest, AutoML with Frank Hutter. Partner is Hannover Messe. Thank you very much. We are fully booked. So uh, next chance to join us is in spring 2024 let's talk about it in more detail after we have uh, after we're finished with uh, the one that is actually at uh, arburg arranged by Werner Fallhaber. yes it's at arburg and we are really looking forward to meet our ai in the forest group we have a lot of different companies ksb with pumps we have herrenknecht the tunnel machines and 
We have Harvey Hydraulic and Beckhoff is there, Siemens as well, and Trumpf also. So very exciting group. Right. So then a year later, we can then talk about yes. the use of AutoML in all these industrial AI companies. Yeah, then we talk about the new industry. Robert, I was going to commend you. And then we talk about, uh, you can maybe talk about our podcast today, but I was going to quickly commend you on last week's interview, yep. uh, which you did with uh, Patrick Heimberger, Ismail Shuk. Cree, is that the right pronouncement? From Fruitcore Robotics. Right. That was about applying an open AI based API based copilot, right? Yep. For simplifying programming and configuring robots related components like grippers and cameras. So I think it was a great large language model. We talk about it so much and we, and we will not exclusively, those of you listeners say, oh, not again. But at the moment, that is the big thing. And uh, I'm going to give another update on it's only it's only a wave because there's a next wave coming. So stay with us. But I think it's a great large language model in an industrial environment use case example. So co-pilot, can you please help me set up the communication between the robot and the camera? And, you know, if if then I'm going to be helped doing that rather than, as the guys say, and I'm not going to go into further details, you know, reading through 700-page manuals, I think it's really great. So if you're the listener, I've missed it before or after you listen today to podcast 212, and you can talk about a little bit what that is today. Uh, Robert, you may want to go back also on uh, episode number 211. Yeah, in the main part, we have an interview with Shafiq from BMW, and we will talk about Sordi. You already had an episode in German about Sordi. Oh, that was still in German at that time. That's about a year ago, I guess. Yeah, it was in German with Jimmy Nassif. I think you did the interview, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And now we, we have a little update on Sordi and how BMW is using this sorty approach. So it's a huge industrial AI data set. Right. And it's it's open source as well. It's open source, right? So and any listener interested in saying, you know, I wanna I wanna use that data set for my AI industrial AI application use case, you can listen to it and see what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting what the evolution of this database. So uh, Shafiq will explain us in the main part. But before going in the main part, what do you have in the news part, Peter? I only have one, as I just referred to just coming up. You know, the, the, the thing was that Google announced the integration of their BART LLM with their apps. And I think actually where all the world is waiting for the big large language model, right? Here, even that, you know, the job of their CEO, uh, Pinchai, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Sundar, yeah, is probably related to, to that one. But at the moment, it's their Bart. And, and in relation to this uh, announcement, also, I saw this interview with uh, Mustafa Soleiman, Uh, which is meanwhile Google DeepMind, you know, that's how it's called, you know, it's their uh, AI activity. DeepMind, he's the co-founder, right? And he talks about interactive as phase number three after, which was, which has been, you know, classification as phase number one. So training computers to classify, we talked about classification many times, supervised, unsupervised, generating or having algorithms, you know, uh, detract information out of data. Uh, and of course, we're always going to continue to do that. And, and on top of that, we are now in the middle, well, I don't know if we're in the middle of, but we are now in the 
the gen AI, the generative uh, AI phase. And that's, you know, how long have we been in there? It's half a year, maybe? No, more than a year. Not more. I think it was maybe December or something when OpenAI started with, is it more? Could be. So, which is about, you know, taking data again to generate new data, you know, and it's amazing what's happening. All every, every day, there's again a new version of the mid-journey of uh, DALI in combination between a text, talking, large language model, and generating images. And, and on the side, there's all these cases in front of uh, judges, but I haven't seen kind of a, a final one, which is going to say, you know, you're allowed to do ABC. I was going to share something with Microsoft, you know, in their co-pilot. I've said, you know, if something is going to happen out of you using our generative AI tool and you're going to be in front of a judge and we're going to support you. Now, I said it, but I'm not going to go into the detail. And then, and that's the important part I wanted to share, is that he is uh, suggesting that there's going to be an X phase, you know, the interactive phase. And that's where then AI is going to be capable of communicating and operating more or less autonomously. So Mustafa, because in the meantime, he has founded a new company, right? It's called Inflection. And he is also a large language model. It's called Pi, if that's the way to pronounce it, uh, stands for personal uh, AI. And he says, you're going to give the AI a general high level goal, you know, and it will use the tools around it to act in it. And, uh, and, and finishing on trying to, to, to visualize what that is, I think it's like the next step from what Zepp Hochreiter, you know, you started with Zepp and you're uh, close uh, today with him. And five, it was a five years ago, he said, talk to the machine and ask the machine, how is your pressure level? How is your temperature level? And I think the next thing then is going to be, if that's what we're then going to be calling interactive, it's that you're going to give it the job to make sure the pressure or the temperature stays at the right level. So not just that you're going to ask and it's, it can check. There's my sensor and it gives you, the person walking around, the information. But you're just going to give it the job. And if for whatever reason, you know, temp temperature or pressure is coming down and it needs to go and change valve somewhere, then that's my understanding as an interpretation that in the future, you know, the AI is going to be doing that for you. It's going to make sure that the valve is going to be changed such that the pressure will come at the, at the right level. It's very interesting because we discussed also the, the topic generative AI. And then I asked the team, there were a lot of PhDs and Günther Klumbauer was there and Sepp was there. And we talked about the, the German company Aleph Alpha, you've heard, yeah? Yeah, most certainly. Also with a large language model, yeah. Yeah, and it's very interesting because Sepp and the whole team never heard about this company. Oh, really? And then Zepp said, yeah, you have different AI bubbles. You have a bubble in Amsterdam. You have your own in Austria. You have your German bubble and you have your French bubble. And then you have a US bubble. So it's very interesting that there is no international discussion about Aleph Alpha because in Germany, I think every second post in the, in the social networks is about Aleph Alpha. Right. I was, wow. They heard about Mistral, yeah, and they heard about Anthropic with AWS and Llama, sure. 
Yeah, with huge, huge investment now, right? Yeah, but not about Aleph Alpha. So that was very, very interesting. And of course, we will be very happy to to change that. You know, yeah. I, I can only say if you uh, guys, uh, women in charge at uh, Alex Alpha, you know, I have sent out a request for a podcast, but never heard back from you. So if you want to change that, just contact us. We're very happy to to give you a forum as well maybe there's a there's a german ai bubble and there's an austrian and yeah there's a Netherlands bubble in the netherlands whatever and there are good discussions sep told me that his dream we can't talk about details is coming true really yeah they have a lot of discussions yeah Listeners may recall that after our big event in the mountains uh, a couple of months ago, uh, and Seth was so excited, right? <laughs> Every time we talked about him, and he just said, like, he needs a lot of money, basically, right? He needs, well, he needs uh, training capabilities, you know, and that which costs uh, money. Oh, but that's nice to hear. Nice to hear that. Uh, so maybe that's another thing that you can uh, talk about in the near future then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Robert, we're going to see each other in two days. You're traveling again. We are going to be at... We are going to be at Witzenmann. And if you listen now to this episode on Thursday, dear listeners, Peter and I will be sitting at Witzenmann discussing industrial AI with the employees of the company. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking really looking forward because I like this format AI in the canteen. It's a nice format. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the questions. Yeah, it's a format. If you are, uh, dear listener, if you are interested in it, it's a term that maybe it came from my time uh, at Intel here where I'm based because we had something like, a, I think we call the brown bag lunch. Maybe we've talked about it before. So yeah, and the idea is that, you know, we're, we're, we're introducing AI AI, you know, including all the things that we're doing today, of course, large language models, but we go back completely as well. So, and it's, it's meant to be AI in the canteen for all the persons at the organization, from the person who is at the front desk to maybe people in finance, in, in areas that, that are further away from, you know, where we are here, industrial AI, you listeners. And that's the idea that they can ask us what is AI uh, all about. And as you say, looking forward to the questions uh, that we're going to receive on Thursday. Yeah, and a big thanks to Philip Paschen, the CDO of Witzmann. He's also in our AI in the Forest group. He said, you have to come to Witzmann. We have a big digital lab and we are doing a lot of in, in automation and dig digitalization here at Witzmann. So AI is a crucial part of this investment and so we need to talk about ai perfect looking forward to robert we see each other on thursday we will see each other on thursday and uh, i'm looking forward to and now i'm looking forward to the main part with sharif from bmw me as well take care see you on thursday see you on thursday bye 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 Hello, Shafiq. Hello, Robert, and thank you very much for this great meeting. Yeah, thank you. Please introduce yourself briefly to the listeners in three sentences. Okay, so I'm Shafiq Abouakar. I'm Sword.ai Tech Lead and the BMW Group uh, Computer Vision Researcher. And we want to talk about Sordi. We already had an episode about Sordi, but I think for our international listeners, explain to us what is Sordi and how 
it's involved in your daily work and what did you guys do it and what can you do with it? Absolutely. So first of all, before talking about SORD, you need to explain why we need SORD or why would you think about uh, synthetic data. So the main reason that we're now in the industry 4.0, it is the fourth industrial revolution and we expect that uh, robots will be assisting humans in their daily tasks. And such robots need to be trained and we need to deploy some deep learning model and we need a huge data for that. However, Uh, gathering real data is kind of limited to some constraints, to some safety and ethical limitations. For this reason, we need an alternative and a very good alternative, which is synthetic data generation. And this is how Sorted AI was born. SORDI stands for Synthetic Object Recognition Dataset for Industries. And it is uh, for now, and to the best of our knowledge, the world's largest and most comprehensive synthetic data set for industrial use cases. I think I think four or five weeks ago, Amazon published some, some data sets too, but for bin picking solution, I think. But your data is synthetic data, and it's all about the production, right? Exactly. So the data set, we're talking about more than a million images and around 80 plus object classes that are annotated very accurately. And we take into consideration the industrial environment. So logistic, warehouses, assembly lines, offices, uh, tool shops. So our data set covers all these fields. And do you focus on this robot applications or do you also think about other applications? For now, SORDI is for object detection, and we're working on upscaling it for additional applications, so some segmentation, some uh, pause estimation, 60 pause estimation. It's already, uh, we already know that the importance of synthetic data, because one of the main advantages of the simulator is we can produce many annotations, not only bounding boxes, but also depth, normal annotations. So this increases the level and the coverage of uh, use case applications. When we talked to Jimmy Zassif, I think one year ago, this was the first step of Zordi. What happened during this time with Zordi? So well, what happened from now until then, until today, actually, is that we produced Zordi. We have uh, rendered images. We have all the scenes because, we, you know, Robert, if we need to take into consideration a lot of use cases, a good generalized data set, we're not talking about a single environment. We're talking about multiple environment. We started with the Regensburg uh, Digital Twin. We have now Spartanburg. We have a lot of industrial rooms inspired from the real world scenarios for warehouse logistics, industrial areas, assembly areas. And we included some domain randomization to upscale and to extend our data set. And then after that, we started some quality check and quality control over the data set to see if it's performing in the right way or not. And this is, I can come back to the first question, if you are thinking about these robots, yes or no. For now, in the research field, there's no unique metric to assess the quality of the images. And the only way to do so and to see if SORDI is working fine or not is to compare it to the real data. So we train a model with real data and we train another model with synthetic data and we compare this performance. And this is how we try to bridge the gap between simulation and real environment. We want to talk about this hackathon. You held this hackathon on the topic of a few months ago. Which approaches convinced you most? And can you report a little bit about the different approaches? Absolutely. So the hackathon was over uh, two stages. The first stage, we had more than 2,000 applications registered, uh, divided into 700 teams. So it's one of the largest. Wow. International teams. Absolutely. F yeah. From worldwide. And the first use case was about detecting 17 distinct object classes that we can find in any industrial area. And this is the power of uh, SORDI because we're using standardized international standards and VDA standards for our assets. And this Uh, how SORTI can be used for multiple industries. We can talk more about it uh, later on in this meeting. So 
this acid, some of them was really easy to detect, and some others were really hard to detect because they are really similar in shape. For example, our load carrier box, we had three different shapes. They are all pink colors, it's the same dimensions kind of, but it's different scales. So they had to recognize between them. And then we, we shortlisted the first uh, top 10 teams to the second stage. And during these two phases, they had some um, trainings and workshops from NVIDIA and Microsoft about the latest technologies about the GPUs, Tensor RT, the DeepStream SDKs, the Microsoft Azure. And of course, they had some um, workshop outsourced AI to understand more how we work with such data. And the use case was pretty, uh, we changed the use case. And it was about detecting the status and the behavior of the small load carrier. It sh- they should detect any video where there's a possibility to put this box and where is it already put there and if it's full or empty. And they had to uh, infer it over a video, not only on images. And what are the results? Was everybody able to do that? Because they had really great teams. They had really enough approaches and they had mentorship from uh, Microsoft and NVIDIA. They were helping them with the solution and with the tools and with the uh, GPU clusters. So um, they had really good mentorship. And what astonished us, to be honest, is the top three res- uh, results that won the hackathon prices. They reached more than uh, 80% MAP. Oh, okay. What does it mean? The MAP actually is the average precision. And this is how we evaluate and we assess in a quantitative way the detection for these bounding boxes. Why is it so important for you, this hackathon and the outcome of the hackathon? Indeed. So actually, the first important is that these use cases are inspired from our real life. They're not fiction or only object detection project. So... And another thing is that it was the first hackathon for Thordy, and hopefully we'll uh, do more events based on Thordy AI because we had a really great feedback and success for that. So people know more and more about Thordy.ai, and we're talking about more than 2,000 registrations at the beginning. So it was really a great boost for Thordy, and we got a great feedback from the participant that Thordy was very important for them. Yeah. yeah. What do you learn from these approaches from the hackathon? So what we uh, learned is a different approach and different way to use Sordi because these uh, were three winning teams. They had absolutely distinct innovative solution. Nobody used data that like the others. Everyone used it in his own way. And we have learned... Can you describe this different, what the differential was? Yes, of course. So for example, one of the team treated the problem in a 3D way. Because we had this video moving over the racks and we have this perspective occlusions, like we can't see the full KITs from one side, you need to check it from another side. So they treated it in a 3D way and they surpassed it, the occlusion problem. Another team, for example, just used data augmentation in a very clever way because we have different data sets from stage one and stage two. So they use stage one data set and to use them uh, to augment the data set and to detect these assets from stage two. So uh, we had distinct uh, solutions. Okay, we come back to the question. What did you learn from this hackathon? I interrupt you there. So what did we learn? That Sordi meet our expectation. We saw that it's possible that the people from all over the world get used to Sordi and to get used to implementing in their own solution. So it's a visible solution. And what are your plans now with Sordi? As already mentioned, Robert, the first version of Sordi is for object detection, and we're talking about million images for 80 plus assets. Now we're working to expand Sordi, and we have called it Sordi Next. It's mainly based on five new technologies that we implement them. We have generative AI. So we're working with uh, Morgan diffusion models to bridge this gap between simulation and real world and to increase the realism of our data set. We're working about publishing 3D point cloud data sets because the scenes that we have already are built in 3D and there's multiple industry applications 
that requires 3D point cloud. For, for example, 6D false estimation, we're working about more annotations, segmentation, depth images, for example. And when segmentation, we're talking about instance and semantic segmentation, we're working on some uh, increasing our PBR materials, the surface of the object used in SORDI. We're adding more aging, more realism, more dust, more scratches. So this asset is more realistically looking. Why is this important? Why is it important? Because when we need to increase the quality based on the research we have done, if we need to increase the quality and the performance of the synthetic data set, we need to bridge the gap between the simulation and real environment. And we're talking about two gaps, the visual and the content gap. The visual gap is everything that you see related to the appearance of the object and the rendering quality. So if you were able to get a little bit closer to the real world, that means that it's a good alternative to replace real data in such case. Okay. Can you go a little bit more deeper in this generative AI approach you mentioned? Yes, of course. You know, if we need to generate data right now, we're using NVIDIA Omniverse and the RTX technology. However, to, if we need to replicate or produce additional data, we need special hardware in that case. And we need a lot of computational power to render them. Uh, however, this could be a little bit expensive. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this could be expensive to reproduce such results. So we're going more into generative AI solutions where only the training is consuming, resource consuming, but the inference could be a bit cheaper. And using single model, we can generate also a good variation of realistic data sets. And what kind of engine do you use there? So, of course, we're, uh, you mean as a hardware? Yeah. Okay, so as a hardware, we have our RTX uh, A6000 and X3090, of course, and we're using as a Fortran, and we have our uh, NVIDIA A100 dev boxes. And do you use a special tool also for that? So currently we're in under the R&D phase. We're comparing multiple existing technologies from GANs and diffusion models. And we're checking the best one and the one achieving the best quality of images. And what is the final goal with SORDI, with the SORDI next steps? What are your final goals? So actually we have two goals. Our first one is there's a lack in industrial data sets right now. And with our uh, collaboration partners, NVIDIA, Microsoft, and IdealWorks, we have the capacity to build such data set. Like we're talking about Microsoft was uh, leading the way in the IT, NVIDIA leading the way in GPUs, and BMW had all the experience in the manufacturing uh, field. So we can build such data set. And I've already mentioned before that we're using assets that uh, are compliant for the VDA standards. So you can find such assets in other industries within Europe. So other industries are able to use this data to train their models as well. And from the second approach, uh, we're partnering with the universal and worldwide universities to include SORDI in the academic curriculums. So the current uh, engineering students will know SORDI as a solution for their project, for their daily life, uh, industrial use cases, not known, but for the future as well. Will there be a someday, I don't know if you are able to answer this question, a product called SORDI? Why not? Because it's a data set and we're planning to make it publicly available. Currently, it's only available for our partners since we are in the quality assurance phase and we're getting feedback to enhance more and more. But it will be, of course, publicly available like all the other um, benchmark data sets, Scope, Amnest, CIFAR. Mm -hmm. What do you think, how important is this data set for industrial use cases in the future, your data set? It's one of the important revolution in the industry 4.0 because industry 4.0 relies on machine learning and deep learning and we need data to train such models. And how would you train them if you don't have a data set? Like currently there is some data set, but they are really specific to 
some use cases and one or two assets, like a really small amount of assets. But Sordi is a very general data set that you can use it for multiple applications. And another way of using Sordi is that you can use it to train your model from scratch. It's a very extensive data set and you can build your weights and then you can fine tune with your own data. It's not a problem. You mentioned this VDA standard. Are you in, in a discussion with the VDA about data sets from also other automotive companies to put this data sets together or what is this day VDA component? Okay, so the VDA is uh, an organization that puts the standards for the manufacturer. For automotive industry. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, there is, all the assets are kind of predefined and it's uh, the same between all the manufacturing. Yeah, but in the past, they were focused on hardware and the, the boxes and everything like that. But what do you think personally? Is there an option to, to find standards in data sets for factories, for digital twins, whatever? Like from a personal opinion, I think it's feasible because we don't have such randomization, such variation in the industrial field. Like existing, there's an existing data set that have been published early this year about the Europalette. Yep. At some point, it's the same Europalette that we use. Yep. It's the same dimension, the same size, it's the same surface. So hopefully we're working on sorry to be the, the industrial benchmark data set in that field. So at the end, my last question is, what is on your desktop today? What do you have to do after this recording and concerning AI? Actually, we're working on a lot of uh, research papers. We're submitting a lot of conference. Next week, we had a talk in the Data Innovation Summit in Stockholm, Sweden, and we introduced Sordi there. And we had really amazing feedback from a lot of data innovators and startups and tech-leading companies. So now we're working more uh, on research. We're checking our results, the performance of our models, and that's what we are doing. Okay, thank you. It was a pleasure to talk to you and greetings to Munich. Thank you very much, Robert. Have a nice day.